I'm so excited that we are in the last week of this series. Man, I hope you've been learning. It's been so much fun as we've gone through the three weeks of just saying, how do we become better versions of ourselves? How do we walk into what God has wanted us to become? And in the first two weeks of this series, we talked about how it's not about trying harder to become like Jesus, but it's more about training wisely. How do we train wisely? And so we said, hey, all of us have a spiritual journey, right? From the moment we say, I'm gonna put my faith in Christ and let him be the leader of my life life, all the way until I die and end up in heaven one day, our goal is all the same. And that is to become more and more and more like Jesus. And how we can use the spiritual disciplines, not as hoops to jump through, not boxes to check, but we can use those disciplines to help train us to become more like him. And then last week, uh, we talked about how we become financially free. Maybe the most important talk I've ever given on financial freedom. And so if you were not here last week, I would encourage you, get on riverwaychurch.com, get back and listen, and I hope that will be helpful for you as you take some new steps in becoming financially free. Well, hey, we're in week four. The message notes should be right in your bulletins, or if you have the app, you can do that. If you're watching online, you can also download the app and take notes right there on your phone. Well, hey, today I want to close out this series by talking about how we can become who we really want to be, right? Um, Have you ever noticed uh, that there's things in life that we want to be better at? I mean, maybe you'd say, I I would really love to be a better spouse. Um, Oftentimes I'm too preoccupied, I'm too busy, or I I run into my own selfishness too much to give what my spouse deserves. Maybe you say, I want to be the best dad or mom that I can become, but I end up impatiently yelling as a reaction instead of taking the time needed to parent patiently. I want to be more generous, but I find myself holding on tighter and tighter to my stuff, to my resources. Or I want to be more joyful. I, I wish I was more peaceful, but I find myself irritated and stressed out. I want to have closer relationships in my life, but I fail to move beyond the surface or I want to make wiser decisions but I find myself being pulled by the emotions of the moment and I make bad decisions instead of good ones or and I want to pray more I want to read the Bible more but it seems like my day just starts off crazy and it ends crazy and there's just no time in between I want to feel like I'm accomplishing a lot of stuff, but yet another year went by and I didn't reach any of my 2018 resolutions or my goals and life just goes faster and faster. Uh, Or I really want to defeat that bad habit, that sin, that negative thing in my life, but it just seems so difficult. I believe in every single one of us, we want to become better versions of ourselves. There are things that we see that say, man, I want to work on that. But here's the truth, and it's the same for all of us, and it's a first fill on in your notes, that there is a gap between who we are and who we want to be. There's a gap between who we are and who we want to be, that if we look on this journey in life, we can oftentimes look ahead and say, man, I can see the better version of myself that I want to become in this area or that area or that area, but it seems like there is this gap in between us. And the question becomes, how do I close the gap? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that today. That's what I'm going to answer for us. Um, The Apostle Paul says it like this in Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. He says, So I 
advise you. And I love this word advise because what Paul is really saying is, hey, I'm just gonna give you some advice and you can take it if you want because this journey is all your own. And you can take it or leave it, but here's some advice that I would give to you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. This new life that Jesus is inviting you into, this growth that he's inviting you into, I want you to live in that sweet spot of looking to close the gap, of looking to grow, looking to become more like Jesus. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting against each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Isn't that encouraging? Let's pray and be done. You know, like, hello. What do you mean? That this fight is always going to be there? This fight between what I want to become and where I'm at? Absolutely. Paul is saying, your next feeling, that there is an epic battle going on any time that you want to make a spiritual change in your life. There is an epic battle that rages. And like we said in the first two weeks, that all of our life is spiritual. Your marriage is spiritual. Your dating relationship is spiritual. Your finances are spiritual. Your parenting is spiritual. Your work and your profession is spiritual. Your freedom over sin is spiritual. It all falls underneath this idea that we are spiritual beings and that it impacts every single area of our life. And you and I, unfortunately, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, you and I are never going to be free from this conflict until the day we die. And here's what it's going to do, and maybe you've recognized this. This battle that rages, it pits your good intentions against your old habits. Because all of us have good intentions, right? And, there, and it's oftentimes that our intentions and our heart is good and we want to be that or we want to do that. But then our old habits get in the way. And there's this battle that goes on between these two things that keep, keeps us from growing in our walk. That keeps us from becoming the person that we want to become. This fight is going to pit your true desire for change versus your apathy. Come on, we've all experienced this, right? You're here on a Sunday morning and you listen to the music and, you know, somebody gets up here and shares something inspiring and you're like, yes, I want to be that. I want to grow. And then like Monday afternoon hits and you're like, "Uh, I'm just tired. I don't want to do that stuff, right? Too much work. I mean, this is part of the battle. It battles the true desire for change versus our apathy. It pits our spiritual potential. All that we see that we can become, we look in the future, we go, oh, I know I could become better versions of myself in these ways. Our spiritual potential versus the patterns of our past. Right, and what we said in week one, we said, you know, there comes a moment in in time that you have to stop and you look ahead and you say, okay, I'm becoming more like Jesus and man, I've got a ways to go. But then I look back every once in a while and say, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Look at how much I've grown. But then there's other moments of your life that there's got to be good self-examination. A stop to say, man, there is a gap between where I'm at and who I want to become. How do I close that gap? And how do I keep the patterns of my past from tripping me up from continuing 
to grow. Paul says that there is something inside of you that actually opposes this kind of growth. Pop psychology would call it your gremlin. Scripture would call it your flesh. There is something in you and there's something in me that fights against our growth. Keeps us where we are. And every January that comes around, we're filled with new hope that maybe this will be the year that things will be different. Maybe this is the year that I could become who I really want to become. Maybe this will be the year that I can close that gap a little bit between where I am and where I want to be. But how do I do that? How do I do that? I'm going to give you the answer to this right up front, and then we're going to unpack this for the next few minutes. And here it is. How do you close the gap? How do you become the person that you want to become? It all becomes right here. Your next fill-in. I can become who I want to be as I regularly surrender to God's ways. As I surrender to God's ways. Now, this word surrender is not very sexy, is it, right? I mean, when we think about growing and doing great things, we don't think of the white flag. We don't think of surrendering our position. But it's exactly what Jesus is inviting us into. Less of us and more of him. Dying to us becoming alive in him. That the magic is actually in doing less, not doing more. It's in training wisely, not trying harder. Now there was this guy named Solomon in Scripture, and and Scripture describes him as the wisest person who's ever lived or ever would live. And so if there was ever a guy in all of human history who could control his own destiny who could become the person he wanted to be, who could figure out intellectually how to close the gap, it would be Solomon. And yet Solomon was wise enough to understand that he couldn't become the better version of himself by himself. He couldn't do it. And here's the instruction he gave to his readers, and here's the instruction that he gives to us all of these years later in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and maybe one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Here's his instruction for closing the gap and becoming the person you want to be. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He goes, this is is the beginning point. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't just trust your heart. Trust your heavenly Father with all of your heart. I mean, come on, we don't want to just trust our heart. How many of us have trusted our hearts into horrible decisions, right? I remember because, you know, she was so good looking in high school and he just had it all together. And our heart and our emotions led us down paths that we go, wow, that was a miss. That was a mistake. How could our heart lead us into a bad place? Well, Scripture tells us that our heart is wicked above all else, that it can't always be trusted, that our emotions can't always be trusted. And so Solomon says, listen, if we're going to become the people we want to become, if we're going to close the gap, we got to figure out how to first trust the Lord with all of our heart in every single area of our life. And we talked about this a little bit last week, how many of us are on the cliff of decision-making 
We are talking about finances, how eventually we have to jump off the cliff into our Heavenly Father's arms and either what he says is true, that he will provide, or he won't, right? That this whole thing in life and becoming more like Jesus hinges on this one principle of deciding who or what you're going to trust in life. It all hinges on that. And until you wrestle that issue to the ground, not much else will make sense in life spiritually. It just won't. You have to decide to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and that's what he's inviting us into. And then he goes on to say, and lean not on your own understanding. Right? I mean, if you want to close the gap, if you want to become who you want to become, first of all, you got to trust your Heavenly Father with all your heart, and then I want you to lean not on your own understanding. Now, Ryan, are you saying that knowledge is bad, that I shouldn't learn anymore? That's exactly what I'm saying. So teenagers, you don't have to go to school anymore, all right? You can just hang it up right now. And now I'm, I'm your new favorite speaker, aren't I? Yeah, we're friends. I love it. No, absolutely not. That, he's not saying that knowledge is bad. He's saying that we have limited understanding. We have limited knowledge, and you have to be careful where your source of knowledge and understanding is coming from. He's saying this, that whatever your understanding is relationally, God knows best. That whatever your understanding is sexually, God knows best. Whatever your understanding is financially, God knows best. Whatever your understanding is for your career or your profession, God knows best. Whatever your understanding is for your moral compass in life, God knows best. He says, I don't want you to lean on all of your own understanding. I want you to lean on God's instruction for your life. And this was the contrast that Solomon was trying to help us create in becoming the person we want to be, and it's your next fill-in. That when your understanding of something bumps into God's instruction, God's instruction needs to trump your reasoning. It's quite the contrast. And in there is a little bit of tension. That when I think I know something and when I understand something, when I have a belief about something, when I feel strongly about something, and I bump into something that I read in Scripture that is different than my deeply held belief, God's instruction trumps my belief. God's instruction trumps my understanding. That's putting him in his rightful place of leadership in our lives. That I'm not leading me, he's leading me. And Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, said, hey, if you want to become the person that you've longed to become, you've got to wrestle this issue to the ground. Who and what are you going to trust? And you've got to learn to lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And then he continues this way. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. He says, in your parenting, I want you to acknowledge God. And this word acknowledge actually means to submit to. It's a submission process. God, that in my parenting, there's a gap. And I want to become a better parent. And, and so, God, I'm acknowledging you, to you, that, that I can't do it in my own strength. Everything that I, that I want to have happen in my kids, I, I can't force it to happen. I need your help. Everything that I want to see them grow in, God, I can. I'm acknowledging that I need your help. 
I'm waving the white flag. I'm surrendering, and I'm inviting you into this. God, on my career path, I'm not sure what the future holds, but I'm acknowledging that you do. God, I'm inviting you into this process for you to help me. God, financially, I'm acknowledging that you know this better than I do. And I'm waving the white flag of surrender and I'm choosing to do it your way, God, because my trust is totally in you and I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding. I'm gonna lean on your promises and your instruction instead. I'm gonna acknowledge you, God. I'm gonna submit to you in my marriage. God, you see the places where we're missing right now and it's like no matter how hard I try, we just can't get any traction. So God, I'm submitting to you. I'm acknowledging you. I'm pulling you into the mix and I'm asking you for wisdom. I'm asking you for a love that I don't currently have. I'm asking you for forgiveness that I don't currently have. I'm asking you for your strength, for your guidance. God, I'm acknowledging you. I'm inviting you into the mix. Solomon, the wisest person, says in all of your ways, if you're wanting to close the gap, you have to acknowledge that God knows better than you do. God knows better. and We submit to him. In other words, you're saying, here's my understanding of this, God. What do you think? I'm not going to lean on my understanding. I'm going to lean on yours. I'm inviting you into the mix. And according to Solomon, if we will trust the Lord with all of our heart, if we'll lean not on our own understanding, if in every single way we will acknowledge him, he gives us a payoff, and it's the payoff that you and I have been longing for. It's the payoff that closes the gap that allows us to begin to become the people we want to become. And here it is. He says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths, what's that word? Straight. He will make your path straight. I'll never forget 10 years ago, we were in a place of just saying, God, what's next? We had done youth ministry for 12 years. And we thought we'd do it forever. We loved the age group. We just loved everything about it. We, you know, I thought, man, we'll do it till we retire. So much fun, right? You can just be like a kid forever. It's awesome. But in our heart, there was this deep longing to create a church that would focus on unchurched people to create a church that would focus on the community first before anything else? What would it look like to have a church that blessed, that led with blessing in their community? That were the headlights instead of the taillights? That our community could see us coming at them and say, we love you, we're for you. So there was this fork in the road for us because we had been offered at the same time like a dream youth pastor position. In fact, like one of the only churches in the state of Minnesota we even wanted to work at. And it would have been a cush job with a cush paycheck and all that. Risk would have been minimal. We were offered the position and, and we were at this place of saying, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't see the future, but you do. So God, we want to acknowledge you. We need you in the mix. Every single time we went to buy a house and it was like, God, which way are you leading us? And you're shutting this door and opening this door. God, I just want to stop and acknowledge you. We need you. I'm leaning not on my understanding, but yours. Your ways are higher than my ways. With everything with this land right now, it's our position to say, God, we're acknowledging, we're submitting all this to you. It's your church, it's your future building, it's your future land. God, it's all yours. So would you lead us? 
Would you show us? Would you guide us? Would you make our path straight? When I was deciding whether or not to propose to Tara, right? Huge decision. God, I need you because we want to get this right. You know, and there's been many times during our marriage that we thought, oh boy, did we get it wrong? What is going on, right? Yikes, God, we need you again, SOS. We need your help to fix what we can't seem to fix. We're acknowledging you in every way. We're not leaning on our understanding. We're putting all our trust in you. And we are praying and believing and hoping that you are going to make our path straight. Because we all know what it is like to wander in life. We've all wandered off paths. We wish we could go back and take a different direction. And what he's inviting us into in closing the gap and becoming the people we want to become is he's saying, listen, I'm going to help you make your path straight so that you wander less, you make better decisions, and you get to become the people you want to become. Oftentimes when we get into those places, we trust ourselves, we trust our own ability, we trust our own understanding, we don't bring God into the mix, and suddenly we feel like things are out of control. But if next fill-in, if we will pause and surrender our situation to God's ways, he will show us which path to take. He just will. He'll show us. If we stop and surrender. But this process doesn't begin with more information. It's not about learning more. It's about submitting more. It begins with this idea of submission. And in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, the Apostle Paul echoes that very thought with these words in Romans 12 too. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Run run away, run away. Crutch, it's okay. That was exciting. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world around you. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the people you hang out with. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of what our culture tells you you, what you should do in that situation. No, no, no. He says, let God transform you by a whole new way of thinking. In other words, just because it seems like the right thing to do, Just because it's how culture tells you you should handle that situation, just because everybody else is doing it, doesn't mean it will take you where you want to go. And more importantly, it doesn't mean that it will allow you to become the person you want to be. So he says, no, no, no. It begins with surrender. He says, your next feeling, that you have to change how you think before you can become who you want to be. You're going to have to change this the whole way you think. If you want to close the gap, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to trust when you don't feel like trusting. You have to lean on God's instruction and understanding when it's more comfortable to lean on your own. You have to acknowledge him when it's easy to forget about him. He says it's changing the way you think. And in this process and in this change, you will become a new creation. You're going to become more and more like Jesus. And so what would happen if you decided in 2019 that God truly knew what was best for you 
and what you should do, and you chose to surrender your decisions to him. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, and I'm going to acknowledge you in everything. I believe that we'd see some change. And it's really what we want. Every one of us want to become a better versions of ourselves. And it all becomes, all comes down to this one idea of changing the way we trust, changing the way we lean, changing the way we acknowledge. And here's how this idea becomes super practical for us before we wrap up today. I want to make it uber practical. And here's your next fill-in. I'm going to encourage you to write down your goals and submit them to God asking for his wisdom. The goals of who you want to become. The person that you see down the road, you say, I wish I could close the gap. I want you to write down those goals. Who is it that I want to become? And then we ask for his help. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3 says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. How many of you have some stone tablets at home just waiting to be chiseled upon? Right? Perfect. All right, then you're in. He says, write the vision down that he may run who reads it. For the vision is, is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. He's saying there's something powerful about writing down a vision for yourself, writing down some goals, your desires to be better in certain areas so you can see it. And when you write down some of these goals, some of these visions, and you combine it with submission to God, that is when change takes place. When we have the goals of who we want to become in all these different areas, and we say, God, I trust you, I'm leaning on your understanding, and I'm acknowledging in all of these areas. Let me tell you, quickly you will begin to see changes in your life. And on the very back of your notes, go ahead and flip it over, you're going to see some faith goal areas, some areas of growth, that as you look at a faith goal for 2019, what would that look like for you? As you look down your journey, who do you want to become in your faith? Maybe for some of you, you say, you know what, I'm going to wake up 20 minutes early every day so I can do the soap, right? Not just soap your body, but soap, right? Opening the Bible, it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. I'm gonna take 20 minutes so I can read, apply it to my life, and pray, and start off my whole day. Maybe it's 30 minutes before bed, before watching that last rerun of Friends. I'm gonna shut off the TV, and I'm gonna take 30 minutes with God, and I'm gonna spiritually grow. Maybe it's showing up more on Sundays than you ever have. Maybe you're like, hey, we kind of go when we feel like it and, you know, we wake up and just, we'll just kind of check the temperature of the day and be like, should we do it? Maybe a faith goal for you to say, we're just going to go to church every time we can. We're just going to be there because I know when I'm in this environment, I'm growing and I want to become more like Jesus. Maybe you'd say, I want to be water baptized or maybe I want to go through starting point, which is our eight-week discussion surrounding faith and who Jesus was. Or maybe it's meeting with someone to grow in your faith. Whatever it might be, there may be some areas that you want to grow in spiritually, so write them down. Make some goals. Bring them before God. Acknowledge Him. I love this, Acts 2.42. It says, The people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And I love this word, devoted. Right? They made a commitment to certain spiritual practices, and it changed their life. 
Does that speak of us, that we're going to be devoted to our faith this year to grow? I mean, one of the things I'm so grateful for when it comes to this church is the fact that we started it so that anybody could come and experience the grace of God, that anybody could come and start a journey with God no matter where they've been, how long they've been gone, no matter what that journey's looked like. And I love it that, I love the fact that at this church you can come as you are. And I love the fact that we fight hard against a spirit of legalism and judgment, but to honor one another's journey. But make no mistake about it, that come as you are does not mean stay as you are. Because when you and I decided to follow Jesus, we made a commitment to growth, a commitment to become more and more like him. So make some faith goals. The next one on your list is a family goal. What are some of your family goals? Who do you want to become as a family? Maybe it's dedicating a a night of the week that's a family night and you put away the devices and you say, hey, we're going to be together and hang out. Maybe it's Saturday breakfast with your kids. Maybe it's devotions with your kids before bed and you're reading and you're praying together. Uh, Maybe it's a certain vacation you're going to take this year to be together and build relationships. I don't know what it looks like for you, but what are the family goals? What are the things that you say, hey, we want, I want to close the gap in my family? What's that look like? What about a relationship goal? Maybe a, a goal of yours is to love people the way that Jesus has loved you. Maybe it's to reach out to somebody new. Maybe it's to forgive quicker. Maybe it's to walk in purity in, in your dating relationship or in your marriage. Maybe it's to be an encourager of the people that you work with. Or maybe with your spouse, maybe it's loving your spouse in new ways, listening more, being more intentional to grow and build uh, your relationship. I'll never forget, it was probably, I don't know, four years ago or so, that Tara and I were kind of in a, in a, in a, in a, um, a strongly worded discussion. Let's just put it that way, right? And what came out of that discussion is that we tend to prioritize a lot of things, but we don't prioritize time with each other. That we say it want, that we want it to happen. We, we say that we're going to, you know, go out on dates and do these things, but with having four kids and doing all that we're doing, it's just sometimes that kind of stuff gets squeezed out. And what was happening is the reality of life was stealing away our good intentions. I mean, not exactly what you want to hear when you're trying to win husband of the year, right? I mean, that's just not what you want to hear. So you know what we did? We just systematized it. We said, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to plan date night once a month. And we're going to plan it out for the next five months at a time. We're just going to find a date on our calendar, and bam, that's it. Bam, and we put it, started putting it in our calendar with reminders. And we said, nothing's going to take this place. We're just going to do it. And I'll tell you what, just because we systematized it didn't make it any less um, meaningful. What we did was we put a system and a plan together with our intentions to do this. And it's helped us tremendously to nail our date nights, right? And to be there and say, all right, here we are. We've made that a priority. Uh, Maybe a relationship goal for you is to uh, join a small group and to build other friendships that are going in the same faith direction that you are. It's hard to grow in your faith when your closest friends are not going the same faith direction you are. And in February, we're going to start a new semester of small groups which is a great way for you to meet some people and new, meet some new friends. Because we say around here that circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. On Sunday morning, you're just listening to me talk, right? But in a small group, you're doing life together. And we want to encourage you to do that. Make a commitment 
to jump into a group. Maybe it's a financial goal, next one on the list, to go with God's plan for financial freedom. We encourage you to take a leap, take a 90-day tithe challenge. Make some goals, write it down, submit it to God. Maybe it's a work goal, it's a professional goal, to use my position or my opportunity to glorify God, to use the gifts and abilities he's given me to help build the kingdom of God, not just my own kingdom. And so many of you do that. So many of you lean into church with your gifts and your talents and say, how can we do church better? How can I leverage what I have to help build the kingdom of God? To be a light at work. Maybe it's a church goal. Maybe it's attending Riverway 101. Maybe you've never done that before. Next week you can. Be a great time to learn more about River. Maybe it's becoming a partner where you sign on the line and say, hey, that's how we express membership here. And more than 20 of you tonight are gathering tonight to do that. Maybe that would be a goal this year. Maybe it's serving somewhere. Maybe it's inviting other people to church. Make some goals. What will they be for you? So, so important, right? So important for us to have these goals. John, would you mind coming up and helping me real quick? I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Just come on up here. Um, I promise I won't hurt you. Um, Everybody clap for John while he comes. This is great, John. Thank you for... Thank, thank you for being voluntold to come up here. That was great. <laughs> um, John, I just, man, I like you so much. I just want to give you a chance to make a lot of money here. And I, I think if I told you that you're, you had the chance to win a thousand bucks right now, I mean, that'd be pretty exciting, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. I mean, a thousand bucks. I mean, that's not chump change. That's pretty good, isn't that's it? That's really good. All right, so I'm going to have you stand right over here and I'm going to give you these three darts, okay? And all you have to do is hit one of those darts in the bullseye. If you hit one dart in the bullseye, you are going to win $1,000. How does that sound? Perfect. All right, so whenever you're ready, just go ahead and throw that dart. Where's the bullseye? What? Where's the bullseye? Come on, come on. Targets are for amateurs. Come on, let's turn this way, John. Let's turn this way. All right, just whenever you're ready, just go ahead and throw that dart. Wow, you missed bad. All right, let's turn this way. Just turn this way a little bit. And just whenever you're ready, go ahead and throw that dart. Confidence now. Yep, that was terrible. Okay, let's uh, face back this way. I'm gonna give you one last chance. I mean, $1,000 on the line here. I mean, come on. Concentrate. Let's do it. And you almost killed someone. That was terrible. You almost killed someone. What is going on? John, what happened? I'm not very good at darts. (laughs) Apparently. Simple illustration. When you aim at nothing, you hit it every single time. When you aim at nothing, you hit it every single time. Would you thank John for coming up here? For many people, they will never become who they want to become because they have no target. They will never close the gap to being all that they want to be spiritually, all they want to be as a parent, all they want to be as a spouse, all they want to be financially, because they haven't identified what they're aiming for. And what we understand through Scripture is that there's power when we set some goals and we write it down to put this list somewhere where you can see it, to systemize your intentions. And sometimes our intentions, right, as we've stated, are better than what we actually do. And so we calendar it, we write it down somewhere we can see it. This is the journey that Jesus is inviting us into. And Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, told us to follow that if we will trust God with all of our heart, 
if we'll lean not on our own understanding, if we'll acknowledge him in every single thing that we're dealing with in our life, he will make our path straight. He will help us close the gap in becoming who we want to become. But here's something so important for us to remember, that this journey, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And here's your last villain, that small things done consistently over a long period of time yield big results. Small things done consistently over a long period of time yield big results. I'm telling you what, it may not seem like much to get up a little early and spend some time reading and praying, but over a long period of time, you're going to train yourself to make the right decision when it counts. It may not seem like a big deal. You're trusting God with your finances, but there's going to come a time that you see his provision It may not seem like a big deal that you're praying for your kids and praying for your spouse and that you're doing all the things you need to do and you may not see results overnight, but let me tell you, over a long period of time, from start to finish, you're gonna see big results. I read this in a blog and I thought it was so good and I wanna close with this. It says, we drive to the same places. We go through the same routines with the kids. We buy the same groceries at the store and share a bed with the same person every night. Church is often the same too. Same doctrines, same basic order of worship, same preacher, sorry, same people. But in all the smallness and sameness, God works. Like the smallest seed in the garden growing to unbelievable heights, life is usually pretty ordinary, just like following Jesus most days. Daily discipleship is not a new revolution each morning or an agent of global transformation every evening. No, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction, trusting God, not ourselves, acknowledging him and inviting him into every way. What a great deal. What a great invitation. And I love Paul and his humility. He says this. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. I'm not giving up. I'm just going to keep working. He says, I'm not there yet, but I'm not gonna quit. So will you acknowledge God in all of your ways? Will you trust him with all your heart? Well, you don't lean on your own understanding, well, you lean on his. When that happens, the gap will close and we can become who we want to become. Would you pray with me? Would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room? And I just want us to take 30 seconds between you and God. And maybe it's one or two of these things, one of these goals. Maybe it's something you're thinking. Maybe it's a decision to trust God fully for every area of your life. Whatever that is, you and God, let's make some commitments right now. Father, we thank you that you invite us into this place of becoming who you've created us to be. But not leaning on us, but surrendering to you. It's putting you in your rightful place. Lord, over everything in our life. God, forgive us for the times when we have leaned too much on us and our own abilities and not leaned on you. And keep us from the temptation tomorrow and the next day 
to do the same. But remind us by your spirit to keep trusting you, to keep leaning on you, and to keep acknowledging you in every single way. And we know that you will make our path straight. You will help us become who you've made us to be. In Jesus' name.